1649 to St. George's Hill. A ragged band they called, the diggers came to show the people's will. They defied the landlords, they defied the laws. They were the dispossessed, reclaiming what was theirs. We come in peace, they said, to dig and sow. We come to work the land in common. I'm your host, Kevin Annett. Welcome. This is Easter Sunday, April 16th. We're back here, as always, live on the BBS Radio Network. Now, this today is the 12th anniversary of a very important event. Uh, it really marked the opening of a lot of these crimes in Canada. It's the uh, Aboriginal Holocaust that occurred on this day. And for me, it's an example of how a campaign to take back our sovereignty can work. And that's especially important today, as, as you know, with the recent announcement of the Ninth Circle uh, takedowns at the end of this month, April 30th. Very important to understand how we stop these murderous institutions. We had an example in Canada of how it works. We're now extending that across the world. We appreciate all of your calls. Uh, we are here every Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. And hello to all of our European listeners. Uh, the tremendous response we've received last week, especially from Europe, about these new campaigns we're conducting. Anyway, um, we are happy to have with us today. One of our guests is somebody on the ground who is going to be helping in a big way with this work. Brenda, she's a common law organizer in eastern Ontario and Canada. We're going to be talking over perspectives. She'll be on in a few minutes. Also, for you uh, folks who want to um, follow the work that we will be doing in Europe, there is a very important conference in Perth, Scotland on May 3rd. I'll be appearing there not in the flesh, but in a, um, through a video uh, format. I'll be doing a broadcast there. And um, one of the uh, things we'll be talking about, of course, is how to not only set up common law courts, but take action now on the ground. And a lot of that can be found in a recent book, of course, we produced, Establishing the Reign of Natural Liberty, a Common Law Training Manual. You can get that uh, through Amazon.com, of course, or by writing to us, republicofcanada at gmail.com. ITCCS.org, murderbydecree.com are the websites. Now, a few updates. You were wondering, some of you who've written in, about what exactly is going on with the Ninth Circle uh, takedown. Uh, the Ninth Circle Sacrificial Cult is planning a series of child sacrificial events on April 30th in nine different cities. There's a report on that at itccs.org. And um, we have recent information that we're actually putting together in the form of a dossier, which will be published online. The names of the people involved, some of the churches where they're going to be happening, Again, these are, tend to take place in the basement of Catholic churches, and um, that will be published over the next week at itccs.org. But uh, one thing to remember, people keep saying, well, where does your authority come from, come from doing this? The courts and government that are operating today are operating on a completely de facto basis. They are private corporations, as so many of you know. You've encountered this in your own experiences in courts and other information that's come out in the last few years. But as private corporations, their sovereignty has been surrendered. In short, they have no jurisdiction over you. Unless you enter into their arena, unless you form a tacit agreement with them by acknowledging their authority and coming into their courts, or by paying their taxes or voting or any of those other means. Now, in other words, since they have no jurisdiction over you anymore, they're private companies, the only force in the world can, that can assert 
lawful sovereignty anymore are we the people. We the people, not only as individuals, but in sovereign assembly. And that's a very important point that the common law movement keeps forgetting. People think, well, we can assert our sovereignty as individuals, but that's only half the picture. That has no power in itself unless your authority comes from the people in assembly. That's the nature in sovereignty. It isn't an individual act. It's uh, a collective act. And, for example, in England in 1649, as you heard on that song that led into the show, the people formed uh, the Commons, which also included Parliament. And that Parliament formed a High Court of Justice that put King Charles I on trial as a war criminal and tyrant and lawfully executed him, abolished the monarchy, the House of Lords, and established a common law republic until it was overthrown in 1660 by a, a military coup that brought in the present so-called monarchy, which actually is an illegitimate uh, you know, regime, as we've established. Now, in other words, that sovereign assembly established the common law court that brought about these changes. Same way today, we cannot act without our own jurisdiction, and that's what we established, the people in sovereign assembly. Now, that's one of the things we're going to be talking about today with Brenda. How do we go about doing that? We've had some examples of that, and we're going to find a way to extend that. I'm sorry, I had to stop because some idiot on a motorcycle was driving down the street. But anyway, um, we're going to be talking about how we do that today. Very important to know in terms of how we stop this child-killing regime that's in place now. Uh, one final point. Um, the, uh, the When we're talking about genocide in that, it's very important to realize that this is not ep- some episodic crime. This comes from right in the heart of our culture. And um, in some of our other books, we go into this. But you can uh, you have to, uh, you know, the people who get into this realize that the sacrifice of children and genocide runs very old in our culture. It goes back thousands of years. Uh, in fact, I've read an interesting article the other day that showed that the um, rise of state-level societies, civilization, and religion were all tied in closely with the rise of sacrificial rituals. So in other words, there's more example. the more complex society gets, the more they sacrifice people. And whereas in the earlier, more simple societies, you didn't find that. So in other words, human sacrifice was a way to solidify the power of the elites by establishing a reign of terror over other people. So we shouldn't be surprised that it continues on today. Uh, it's right in our uh, in our culture. So uh, when you look in the Bible, in uh, human and child sacrifice is sanctified. The sacrifice of the firstborn is part of a ritual. And as a matter of fact, in Hebrew, the word to sanctify, to make something holy, is the same word as to sacrifice, kadesh. And kadesh means to you basically make something holy by putting, setting it apart and then sacrificing it whether that's a human being or whoever. You find that in Christianity, the notion of the only Son of God being sacrificed for all of us. Again, these sacrificial images are basic to our culture, so it shouldn't surprise us that however the sacrifice happens, through war, through uh, genocide, whatever, it's really a playing out of the basic mindset of our our so-called Western civilization. And the Roman Catholic Church, of course, is the epitome of that. Now, one final word before I bring on uh, Brenda. we saw something very amazing happen when we put the Vatican on trial, and we um, actually made four top officials, including Pope Benedict, step down, step down from their office. Now, there's an analogy to what happened there. Um, in 1870, the Garibaldi, Giuseppe Garibaldi, he was like the George Washington of Italy. He united the country. He deposed the Vatican, believe it or not. 
Uh, he made the Pope resign. He abolished what were called the Papal States, and there was no Vatican. There was no official Roman Catholic Church between the years 1870 and 1929, when Benito Mussolini, the fascist dictator, <clears throat> reestablished the Vatican as a so-called state and the Vatican Bank. Well, right after Garibaldi abolished the Vatican and the Pope was made homeless, guess what he did? Pope Pius XII announced that he was, I'm sorry, Pius IX, he announced that he was infallible. That is, anything the Pope said, was in, he was incapable of error. Kind of like God, right? Setting himself up like God. Well, look what happened. He lo- the Vatican loses their worldly power, and they reestablish themselves under a big lie. We are now infallible. Well, folks, that's exactly what's happened over the last few years. We showed that the Vatican can be forced down by common law verdicts. And in response, what do they do? Jorge Bogoglio is now traveling around the world trying to establish the authority of the Vatican over all other churches, one world church. So in other words, it's the same response. Their power is nullified. We force them back through these common law orders, following from their criminal conviction for crimes against humanity in 2014, 2013. They respond by saying, no, we're actually one global church. In other words, the only fallback defense these criminal institutions have is the big lie. And we can puncture that line. We're doing it all the time. But the important thing is we have to keep up the momentum. And um, so anyway, that's kind of our preamble to what we're going to be talking about today. Again, we uh, um, are very appreciative of all your feedback. And if you want to write to us, republicofcanata at gmail.com. And somebody asked me, oh, one final thing. What is Easter anyway? Um, Once again, the Christian Church stole this word from another culture. Easter, spell it E-A-S-T-R-E, was a big bunny. He was the Anglo-Saxon, really the Saxon fertility god called Easter, who, believe it or not, was a rabbit who flew through the air, and when he breathed through his nostrils, he would bring the buds out on the trees. He would restore life in spring. It's really a beautiful image, and a much nicer image than the cross and an empty grave, don't you think? But I think in, what we, in terms of what we do all the time, we're like that bunny Easter. We bring life out. There's this life force within us that can't be defeated no matter what the, the enemy does. And these institutions have no power for us over us once we have found that new and reviving spirit. Think of that today. And uh, just got a message from Don, my faithful operator, that Brenda is with us. So anyway, thanks to Easter the rejuvenating spring spirit in all of us. And we're going now to Brenda. Hello, Brenda. Hi, are you with us? Yep, I'm here. Hey, how are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. You know, it's uh, it's spring and uh, the buds are coming out on the trees and, you know, it's good. Amen, um, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the intro I was giving, Brenda, I was talking a little bit about this campaign in in Europe, and of course, what we've done in Canada. And uh, we're really at a point now, we're moving beyond talk, and in many ways, we're trying to equip people with how we restore our own liberties, how we take back power in our communities. Now, I know that you've had a long struggle in your own community in eastern Ontario of fighting corruption, child trafficking, all of this this stuff. And um, I want, you know, to get into that a little bit today. And uh, first, in case the folks don't remember you from previous interviews, say something about yourself and, and the campaigns you've been involved in. Um, well, just in a nutshell, really, I had my children unlawfully 
well, legally, but unlawfully apprehended. And then from there I started helping others. And then by uh, 2006 I was advocating for a girl who had been sexually abused in foster care. Um, So then the oppression started really heavy around that time. Um, But we got through it and we saw several convictions in this area um, of foster parents that were um, sexually abusing foster kids. And then after that, almost like clockwork, the uh, community oppression slowed down, you know, the police and all that. But I still was struggling with one particular community mem- uh, professional, uh, uh, Reverend Lynn Donovan, from my home church. And... Um, it turned out that she was at the time building a program called Reaching for Rainbows um, that was to serve uh, young girls. Um, So, you know, and I saw some Masonic connections to that program and whatnot, so I started tying things together. And it seemed to me, you know, she started understanding that I was tying things together. And so she started a, a, you know, she's just always smear campaigned me, and I ended up taking her to the Human Rights Tribunal, and through that it was revealed that um, approximately four Presbyterian ministers um, have been or are colluding against me, even to the point of setting me up for false charges, um, painting me as violent and threatening, and that I'm actually historically this way with the Reverend. But there's absolutely no evidence, you know. It seems that they take my um, promises of accountability as threats, and uh, they use that, you know, just say that I'm threatening them without any evidence. But, you know, it goes a long way in a smear campaign when these professionals are actively doing that. So it's taken a long time to get through it, but we're through it now. You know, I'm starting to write um, several statements of facts. And I'm just going to fire them off to the appropriate bodies and put the onus on them. Well, you know, Brenda, here's the thing I always find interesting. Whenever we uh, we hit a nerve in the system, especially involving children, the ton of bricks comes down on us. And that initial response is to crush us into silence because they're very worried about it coming out. It's like you scratch the system at any point and you see all of these crimes coming out. It's almost like That's people right. are waking and it up does until they crush have you. to. Pardon me? And it does crush you at the time because you're so unaware of what you're walking into. That's right. And so, that's you know, if I could have been aware step. of this malevolence at the onset, you know, I'd have been prepared for it. But I had to go through the spiritual crisis, you know, realizing that I was being booted out of my own church for right. revealing crimes against children, heinous crimes. You know, it well, was you know, a, it reeled me right into spiritual crisis, and I had to go through, you know, even the phase of hating God, questioning God, you know, and I've come full circle, and I have my own understandings now, but it does break a person. Well, it's interesting. We have to go through a certain breaking uh, to break us, not just of the well, the life we knew, but of the illusions we had. Exactly. Um, you know, I call it glorious agony. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it's so horrible when you're going through it, but at the end of it, you see that you had to go through it. Right. and that others can't possibly until they suffer to some degree. You know, and that's all through any ancient scripture. Right, and, and here's the thing that, it's kind of a springboard for me into what I want to talk about today, because we can talk about issues, 
so long. And then we realized there's only a few of us who are the tip of the spear, who are really breaking new ground on this. And we've got to be united. Uh, one of the purposes of the show is to find people like us and unite them. And first thing we do is, well, we have to protect one another. And right. you, you've had some ideas about how to do that, you know, the kind of a project you're working on right now. Right. And you know, I plug away at it. it. Yeah. But I have my own issues, you know, from everything I've experienced. So I have poverty issues and severe health issues that I'm actually coming out of now. I've fortunately found some real help. And um, and I should touch on that, actually, too, that Lyme disease, people should really be checking into that. It's a growing pandemic. Um, but nevertheless, as I'm coming out of all this, I'm, I still have my own struggles, but I, I at the same time have a vision you know, of uniting us all and be, uh, creating a home base somehow um, for this to be a launch pad. And if we could start doing this in, in our own communities. So, for instance, I'm going to open a part of my home um, for uh, daycare services and homeschool to try and save the, the parents who are awake, to try and save those kids from the the education system Mm -hmm. and um at the same time at night and on weekends i can you know have that space available as a community resource center so i'd like to be able to offer a space where you know people like you and i who are just beginning to experience attacks if they're really under attack you know a safe place for them to come until we can have a plan for them and also the grassroots workers who are burnt out, you know, a nice little country retreat that they could come to and be sheltered and catered to, and somewhere where people like us can get together as a group and have some leisure and brainstorm and uh, support each other. So, you know, just a home base, little space in my home for community outcasts where we can start um, building our own systems. Right. It's uh, it's like a model of what we should be doing, you know, in many of our communities. And, and in fact, that's going on. But, you know, it's it's funny, even when we go through a lot of things that strip away our illusions, we're always wanting to, you know, to use the example of that from the film, to plug back into the matrix. You know, we always want to think, well, if there was only some way we could stir the system to change and get better. It, it's these lingering illusions we have. And, and what I realized after a while is that, no, we're leaving the dead city. We are mm-hmm. going out on a new direction to, to find the new city. We're establishing a new a new jurisdiction, a new sovereignty, and that's a hard job to create something new. Um, yes, and I have you know. the evidence, you know, and, well, I mean, you've well documented it, too, that it's imperative at this point. I've gone through every level of accountability, through all the social justice tribunals, the courts, the criminal courts, family court, you know. I've been through it on a personal level. I've been through it as an observer helping others, and these systems are not broken. They're designed to work exactly as they do. They've been serving the corrupt elite well for, you know, way too long now, and it's time to disassemble that and take take it away, because as we know, it's been unlawfully established in the first place. Right. So these systems aren't working for anybody but the people that built them. Right. And, you know, once that's, I think people are on the brink of, feeling that in their bones but yeah we got to just walk away from that system we know it's corrupt we know it can't be rebuilt and i know that firsthand because in the last 15 years i've been through i've written form letters and sent them to every mp and mpp you know 
Forget I get it. the pathetic response. You know, I have a letters from the Minister of Health and this and that. Oh, Brenda, we're so sorry to hear what you went through as a mother. I can totally sympathize. However, I'm going to point the finger to the next ministry and right. have a nice life. Well, of course, they, under, the, under their law, they can't do anything else because every civil servant, member of Parliament in Canada, takes the oath of allegiance to Queen Elizabeth and her descendants, period. Not to the people exactly. or the Constitution. So they're unaccountable servants of a foreign regime. And then if we factor in, too, that there's also another layer to all of this where secret society oaths um, play a heavy role. Mm-hmm. You know, so yep. <laughs> the Masonic Brotherhood, you know, that especially. oath goes a long ways. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah. you know, quite often we overlook that layer because they're all through our governments. You know, the, the Supreme Court doesn't want to give us the right to know whether our sitting judges are... Freemasons or not. Mm-hmm. Well, at this point, I have a huge problem with, you know, judges, particular lawyers, particular police officers, you know, principals, bank CEOs, all the key players of certain towns and cities, well, many towns and cities, most, actually, um, you know, all those key players meeting in secret right. and, well, and pledging an oath to someone we're not even aware of. You know, I'm starting to have a real issue with Freemasons having the necessity to do their charity work in the dark. You know, this is the 21st century. If you're doing children's charities, for goodness sakes, you know, what's with all the secrecy? Well, here's the other thing, too. When people, you know, mistakenly keep trying to use crown courts, um, they're private courts now, and, and people don't realize what they're in when they walk in there. They've removed the Canadian flag. Judges will not answer, and I've tried this on numerous occasions with people, in courts, you simply ask the judge, is this a public or private court? They will not answer. They, in fact, will threaten you when you ask that question because they're wow. private fiat courts, and that means they're not accountable to anybody. So do not go into a court. That's bottom line. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, well, what do we do then? And I want to talk about that in the last half of the show. Um, now, we've talked about a very simple thing that, that you plan to do, and, and um, we've suggested Sundays. Gather people together, listen to this program, then talk after about how we can implement these ideas in our community, including the idea of a people's assembly, a self-governing body that can start to set up itself as an alternative power in your own community. That's Mm -hmm. one of the ideas. Uh, uh, You know, to at least get the conversation going, to broaden it. Because I know that there's other people that must be feeling the consequences of this corrupt system, just sitting in their home wondering, how in the heck do I get out of this mess I'm in? You know, and if they start their research at the point that I did, well, you fall down the rabbit hole, and now you're down there for three or four years. You know, and and you don't know where to go or how to move forward. So if we start shining that beacon now, I I think the people are searching and scrambling now for a better way. Well, it's interesting. I, I read um, one of the guys I read a lot is Marcus Aurelius, who is a uh, philosopher. He happened to be a Roman emperor, too, but that's beside the point in a way, because <laughs> he was a stoic philosopher, and he said he went on a lot about self-reliance. And one of the things he said in terms of how you were, operate in a world, in an evil world like this, he said, you can be like a gladiator or a boxer. A gladiator has to be given a weapon. He's dependent on somebody else. But a boxer has everything he needs on him. You just clench your fist and you start whacking. 
And he yeah. said, a self-reliant man or woman who've discovered their own self and their own power is like the boxer. Everything you have, everything you need, you already have within yourself. You just have to take back that power, clench your fist, and go. And that's a really hard lesson for people to start acting. They may agree in the abstract, but they, they find it very hard to do in practice. To sit, step out and say, no, we have authority to do this. We're not waiting for somebody else. Exactly. And, you know, to be honest, 15 minutes before the show here, my daughter called to wish me good luck. And, you know, I said, just convince me I'm not crazy and I'll be okay. And she's like, Mom, you've been doing this forever. You're not crazy. You know it. You know, all this stuff is happening and we do have to get out of it somehow. You know, none of us have the answers, all the answers. we got to collectively come together and find them and implement them. I remember when we, uh, there's this classic case of this. It's all about energy. Like there was um, this physicist, Max Planck, he came up with what's called the quantum theory. He found out that all, everything in the universe, it's not matter, everything is energy. Everything is about, I think we know this at the gut level. He came up with quantum theory, which says that all of reality is energy. And there's a thing called the Planck constant, which if you find the right energy point, the right frequency, you're plugged into the energy of the whole universe and all creation on all living things. And right. that's born within us, that energy signal. But they find that if you do slightly modify that signal, you're into another wave which causes your energy to dissipate. And it's literally a matter of retuning your, your own energy signal. Suddenly, all those screws diminish. And I'll give you a practical example of how this works. The day that we went to occupy... Uh, Holy Rosary Cathedral, the big cathedral, Catholic cathedral in downtown Vancouver. There's about 50 of us, mostly natives. This is about the murder of native kids by the Catholic Church. Um, back in 2007 is when we started doing these things. We walk in, and there's this huge edifice. It's putting out this signal. We are the authorities. Do not come in here. We are the Catholic Church. Um, mm-hmm. And the doors are standing wide open, which was interesting, because normally they had security guards and cops surrounding the place to protect them from us. And they're not there that day. So I remember turning to the people and saying, look, this is a sign, people, let's go in. But Mm -hmm. we all walk up the stairs, and we're walking in, and their organ music is playing, and they're all doing their thing. And as I walked in, I was leading the procession with somebody called um, Chief Capilano. He's a traditional Squamish elder. Jerry and I are standing at the front door, and there's literally like a hand pushing against us. It felt like a force saying, do not enter. Mm-hmm. And I felt afraid. I felt, oh, shit, what am I doing here? <laughs> I don't want to be here. I don't want to be arrested. And then suddenly this other energy pushed back. It came from within me, but from among all of us. And it just pushed back, and something brought me in. And as soon as we broke the ice, everyone followed. We occupied mm-hmm. that church. We shut them down. They freaked right out. They didn't know what to do. We're just standing there, talking to people, handing out stuff. The next day, they collapse. Their lawyer calls. They beg us not to occupy any more churches. And that same month, within a couple of weeks, the government starts announcing that they're going to look into doing a Truth and Reconciliation Commission into the missing right. children. That's not accidental. We, we, uh, it's like in the Aboriginal world, they call it counting coup, where you go up and you hit the enemy, you're armed, uh, they're armed and you're not. You have no weapons, but you ride up and, and whack them with a stick to show that you're braver than they are because yeah. they're armed and you're not. And you take your en- their energy from them. Yeah. Uh, you know, we take away their, their vital energy by our action. We redirect their energy. So 
it's not so much that we're fighting an enemy, we're redirecting their energy. And you that's can do right. that to a big adversary. And, and they, uh, what, you know, the elite yeah. fully understand these energies. That's, yep. you know, half of what they're doing is transferring yep. our energies. And, you know, once we understand energy and how it can be transferred, we can understand a heck of a lot more about our situations. That's right. And it's very powerful energy. You know, they want it because they understand it. And we can take it back. It's uh, it's really interesting that you only learn these things when you do it. Um you know, I often say to people, if you're feeling discouraged, do not sit in a room by yourself. Get out in the world. Do something. Yeah. You know, even if it means, um, you know, and my one of my dear friends does this. She would stand, just go by your, she went by herself, stood outside the churches, handed out information about their crimes. And just pricking them like that often will cause a lot of fear to run through these institutions because they know they're guilty. You start gathering an energy from them. You're redirected by the smallest action, but it's got to be something you do consistently, not just now and then. Well, see, and that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm shifting that power that was taken from me because, you know, for the longest time I couldn't understand the oppression and whatnot. And now that I do understand it, and I do understand how energy works, mm-hmm. you know, I've declared that I'm taking it back. And that's what they've always been afraid of. Right. And I can clearly see that, you know. The day I stood up to the minister when she kicked me out of the church, at first, like you described there, I was somewhat trembling, you know, because it's a, a really charged emotional situation, and she's looking me in the eye, accusing me of abuse in front of several people, and telling me to leave the church. <laughs> you know, and so I... I decided to take the stand and say, I'm not leaving the church. And the more, the longer I stood there and stared back into her eyes with a smile and said, no, I'm taking a stand, you know, I could see that energy shifting. I was, I was stealing it from her. Right. And, you know, I stood and held my ground long enough that she had nothing to say. She just spun around like a spoiled 12-year-old and marched back into the sanctuary. That's the amazing thing about the truth. It has an overpowering energy that nothing can really overcome. And uh, that's why the, the the darkness, if you like, has to use lies all the time. Because one thing, they, the only weapon they really have is to, is to confuse people. And in that way, redirect our energy towards their means. That's the Exactly. The and lie. when you're confused, you t- you, that's when you fall on your crutches. You know, that's right. why we find so many people in addictions and and drowning themselves out with the TV and overeating and whatnot because they're just so confused about their situation and they don't know a way out. Yep. You know, and so that's what we got to offer now. We're well aware of the problems. I, I think that's everyone the on the planet knows we're in a mess. Yep. And no, for, uh, for, for we can't, you know, beat the same dead no. horse for years and years and years. we got to take a step forward here. Well, that's the, that's the phase we're in now for sure. Uh, for folks who are listening, we had a really good uh, couple of shows on this whole theme with Sandra Fecht, who's an Ontario-based counselor. She's only one of two therapists in Canada who addresses the issue of satanic ritual abuse. Now, if you go to the bbsradio.com slash Radio Free Canada site, just go to it and you'll, you'll scroll down a bit. It's, you'll see talk show program archives. Uh, go to the shows on November 13th and November 20th of last year. You'll see guest Sandra Fecht. Those two shows are very important because they talk a lot about how this is 
all about energy. And she talks about in relation to satanic ritual killings, which is like an extreme example. But her point is, and your point, I think, Brent, is that any of these attacks on us is based on the same idea that they have to so traumatize us they can take our, our vital energy from us. And that's really the point of child rape, uh, trauma-based mind control, uh, the bombarding of us with images on television and the Internet. It's all about that, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Like, it, trauma is the key to keeping us down. And we're traumatized in so many ways. The medical system, the legal system, all of our own personal qualms and issues. Uh, trauma is pretty much the key to just keeping the human mind controllable. Trauma and fear. And, right. you know, that's where most of the people are today. They're either living in fear or living in a traumatized state. Well, we have those moments where we can break that, and uh, I've seen them happen dramatically um, in actions like at that church, but in many other ways, too, and I find there's simple ways that we can do that. Uh, Being outside in nature, very important. Being around children and animals, uh, being quiet and alone, turning off all your gadgets, especially the Internet, getting away from all those devices, and letting the natural you know, the Planck constant energy signal from nature, uh, reclaim us. It's, it's a fact that the energy signal put up by the Earth is the same as the wave frequency in the, in the human brain. We are, mm-hmm. have a natural affinity with the energy of the Earth, but we're immersed in electronic soup every day that keeps us hidden from that. So if there's any way we can get out in nature and establish just normal relationships again... Um, that's the key to this, I think. One of the oh, exactly. Started, you know, I've learned that I have to take care of myself, or I can't do anything about this mess I'm in. You know, my grandchildren, I need to change things for them, but I can't if I'm just going to die because of all of everything that's going on. You know, everyone is sick. So yes, we have to get back to nature and start utilizing essential oils and all the herbs and vitamins. Get our whole foods. You know, stop relying on vitamins and bottles and actually eat the the whole food you know eat a whole orange and a whole apple and you know there's such an abundance of of healing foods all around us and yet many of us are still rushing to the pharmacy well it's habitual action and this is again uh one of the things i realized we had to deal with is that most of the day we're engaged in what's called habitual thinking we're not actually thinking uh, it's like when you eat. It's an automatic action not, not involving any conscious thought. It's a reflex. Exactly. It will think the same way. But conscious thought means questioning everything and reclaiming ourselves from the state of fear that is operating on us all the time. Um, yes. Most people don't so, realize how programmed no. they really are. Mm-hmm. Even the people that claim to be truthers, you know. I. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can still follow the program in some instances until I realize, you know, and then I have to make a conscious effort to break free from that. So I know as far as I've come, you know, and I still get sucked back into the system in certain ways and, and into the, you know, ways of thinking about surgeries and pharmacies and going to see a doctor, you know, because that's fear again. Well, if I was to get cancer, you know, I'd be all by myself treating myself. Well, well I've done enough research. You know, I'm confident that I'd rather go that route now. Yep. 
So it's, it's just a matter of realizing the mess you're in and then doing some real research and taking responsibility for yourself. You know, I, I've realized that some of us can do that and most of us can't. Most of us have to be led in the early stages, unfortunately. And this is why kind of the practical politics of what we're doing is um, we have to establish a counterweight. And this is the whole point when people say, oh, well, I'm going to declare personal sovereignty. Well, good for you, but it doesn't really change much of the society when you do that. Exactly. You, yeah. you need something in the community that people can join because it's not like most people support what we're living under. They just don't see an alternative. And if they don't see something else to join, they're not going to change. They're not going to challenge anything. So this is why, I mean, in our communities, we establish these local assemblies, and people have started to do it. Uh, they've yeah. got to see that there's another counterweight, you know, away from the system, because politically that's how it works. You don't just operate as an individual saying, I'm free. There has to be something in the community. Now, people can see some of this at ITCCS.org, but the, um, the whole notion of the common law is that out of the local gatherings, we establish common law courts, not as individuals, but as people creating a, a, an alternative in the community. Uh, sometimes they call it a system of parallel power, dual power, mm -hmm. if you like. And this is work. We've said to the police in these situations where we've done the church occupations and that, you have to step down from your allegiance to the crown, which is a criminal body. Your oath is nullified to them. Uh, you have to take a new oath of allegiance to the people under the common law. And once you start doing that, pulling them towards something else, then it works. But you have to have that thing to offer them. And this is why I want to talk a little bit about how we do that in our communities. Like, your thoughts about that? Right. Like, we, you know, the the ones of us who are aware of these issues and who are in positions to do things, you know, I understand not everybody has a part of their home they can open up, but they have another skill or asset available. Whether they know it or not, they just have to, you know, figure it out. And then... From there, if we're all offering these alternatives in our own communities, then, you know, the followers will eventually come on over. And that's what I would like to do, is offer some sort of protection for these people, um, you know, whether they be forerunners or followers or whatnot, is when they do wake up to the issue they're in and they do start pushing back, uh, to offer a safety net for them, say, you know, because quite often you'll suffer an attack. So if they're a family suffering an imminent apprehension, you know, they could come to a space I have available in my resource center, and we could offer them protection until, you know, I get in touch with other people and find a better solution. Right. So now just, are, you know, safety really nets for people who are crossing that right. bridge from the old now, system to the new one. Those are important defensive measures, and we need that to help people. The best defense is a good offense, I find. So, for example, I remember a classic case when the Mounties used to call me up when I had a show in Vancouver. They used to harass me all the time and say they wanted me to report to them whenever I said stuff over the air about Mounties being involved in the disappearance of Native women, which we had a lot of evidence about. And I remember once I said to these one of the Mounties, look, okay, I'll answer your questions, but let's do it on air. You come down to the radio station, because I have questions to ask you guys about mm -hmm. the Mounties' role in the disappearance of, of residential school children. Never heard back from them. <laughs> because you, you put it back in their face, and they're, you know, they don't want to have a light shine on this stuff. So 
what we do is when we're attacked, we go on the offensive. And one of the ways we do this is the idea of a local assembly is, for example, we do training in uh, common law by training people as uh, local peace officers. So we equip people in our communities to act as sheriffs, to go make citizen arrests on priests we know that are harming children. We literally arrest them and banish them from our community. You take one action like that, and you're going to be amazed the impact it's going to have. So training common law sheriffs, doing local citizen arrests, having these local assemblies that meet every week, like you find a public place, too. Not just your home, which is good, good first step, but you find a public place, you meet there every Monday morning, you say, okay, we're going to convene an assembly, we're going to hold a common law court here, a hearing to put these local people on trial. You can do all of that. And it's creating this counterweight, and that's what we're talking about. Right, yeah, like it doesn't necessarily have to be on Sunday like I'm going to do it. But, you know, I plan on trying this anyways to do three meetings on Sunday where one is geared at more like people's assemblies for people that are, you know, new to the issues and want to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And then um, perhaps we could listen to the radio show you do with Andy and, um, you know, have some discussion after that. And then, you know, this show is more about taking action and whatnot. So um, get another group together, um, more direct action unit-based group, mm-hmm. to come listen to the Radio Free Canada show and then have some dialogue after that and then uh, those community action or protection groups I was talking about, you know, to take care of people that may be facing apprehension or just whistleblower protection in a general sense. Um, And also, you know, people with imminently failing health um, where, you know, just till we can get them where they need to be. Um, a, a community program or protection unit like that, you know. So if I could host three meetings on Sunday with three different focuses, you know, one just generally about the issues, two about taking action, and then three protecting those who are taking action. Right. Good Good. I, good program there because um, there's other folks, like, for example, on, on April 29th, there's a common law workshop we are holding in Kitchener, Ontario. And the folks there, they're coming from all the area around Toronto and Kitchener, uh, over to London and, and that kind of region. Um, one of the questions they had is, okay, but what can we do right now to put this into action? We know the theory. How can we do it? And I think you're laying out a good way for people to start. Right. So that's, you know, so even if they had to do those three separate meetings on different days or whatnot, just mm-hmm. to follow that general idea of you know, fostering the ones who are waking up, um, supporting the ones who are taking action, mm-hmm. and and giving the ones who want to take action an avenue. Right. Very important. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like um, it's how you hang ideas on a structure. Um, you've got to have a way that these can be expressed in the community in a way that people know are going to help them. And that's why... The whole thing of child apprehension is the first issue to fight on. We find this is the issue that keeps coming up all the time. Um, either church or court corruption or uh, their child, children being taken from them. Um, you, you know, th- these are the two issues that, that are occurring all the time. So uh, we've got to um, 
provide this. And one of the things I want to mention, too, is when we hold these meetings, it's really important to um, reach out as much as possible into the community. And you'd be surprised how much support is out there, latent, but um, it's looking for a way to express itself. I I would say now there's never been a better chance for a fundamental shift to happen uh, than there has been in decades, and you really see it happening all over. Well, the truth is that shift is going to happen one way or another. You know, like New World Order is a reality. It's coming in under Agenda 2030. It's being implemented in all the communities now worldwide, you know, it's almost there. So that shift is going to occur regardless. It's up to us which way it shifts. Right. So, you know, that's what I think humanity has to realize at this point. We're in for a shift either way. And our back to the world. Your involvement at this point determines which way that shift goes. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. I guess that's why, you know, when people... uh, try to draw me into conversations about all this stuff. I say, well, look, we've done the job. We've shown the crime. We've adjudicated it. We've shown you how to fight back. Now it's up to you. If you're not going to do it, you only have yourself to blame because we've shown the way, or a way, and um, we're all learning about this. But the point is that it's at the point of action. And that's why, um, you know, on, in the future on this program, we're going to try to get more people on who are trying it out. It, it's almost like it doesn't even matter what you do. The point is to start something and to keep doing it all the time because that's the that's real right. educator, the experience we all have. And, you, um, you know, so I think that's, that's part of the, the learning. Well, in everything I'm going to do, I'm going to try and do it under one umbrella called Holisticus International so that I can constantly be posting what I'm doing and sharing what other people are doing and we can constantly show the evolution of new communities and you know do other initiatives too like community gardens and just whatever it takes to support a a growing community right and well uh, you know the thing too is that we need a different jurisdiction and we already have that Crown authority, whether it's in Canada or England or anywhere, is nullified. It doesn't have operating authority. They're convicted criminal institutions. And we are committing a crime when we go along with their system. So That's we stand right. there near a different jurisdiction, the common law, and we've got to keep hammering that to people all the time. Um, that's the term we use, that it, it means the natural law that, that is born within us, not some right granted to us by a criminal body that can take it away again tomorrow. So exactly. that's part of the teaching we've got to do now, and it starts at every level. We're we're doing it in the schools, in the colleges, everywhere in the community. But the best teacher is a is an example people can see, not just an idea. Exactly, and I can't urge um, families enough. You know, it doesn't matter what you think is going on in a foster home; it is just not the best place in most cases for a kid to be if they don't need to be. So I I really need to urge people, if you're in a position to do kin care for anyone in your family who is in foster care, please go get them out of that hell. They're at risk of being trafficked, but at the very least, quite often they're suffering some kind of emotional harm. You know, it's a broad spectrum of harm that they suffer there, but we need to start getting these kids home. Okay, we've got about um, four or five minutes left. This hour's gone quick, but um, yeah. I want you to, if you have contact information you want to share, 
Uh, I, I don't want to necessarily say the community you're in, although it's up to you if you want to say what community. Oh, I'm in Prince Edward County. It's a huge, it's a growing um, tourist destination. Um, we're pretty elite here. We're full of wineries and proud Empire loyalists. And Sir Johnny McDonald, uh, his statue flanks our main main street, right at the oh, Armory we'll Mall. About that. <laughs> you know, so I'm in a pretty oppressive area, um, but I've you know got through it. I've woke up, and now I'm striking back. And the way I'm striking back is just being responsible for myself and whoever wants to you know, join me as I go, they're welcome and to, and we'll just rebuild the community one step at a time. Contact and from there, we'll shine our light to other communities, and hopefully they'll do the same. Do you want to share your email or contact info? Um, sure. It's just brendaeverall at gmail.com. And the website I'm plugging away at, like I said, Holisticus International, is a work in progress. I have my own issues, but I'm plugging away. And others are gravitating to it, and they're um, welcoming the idea and trying to find ways that they can um, do this in their community. So, you know, I've had a good response so far, but that's holisticusinternational.webs.com. And, uh, yeah, uh, contact me, and we'll find ways to move forward together. Brenda, thank you. I appreciate it. We'll be in touch again, sister. Appreciate all your help and your stand. Thank you. All right. No problem. Take care, Kev. Thank you. Okay. Bye for now. Bye for now. So we will be back again next week, of course, and uh, with more information on the campaign in Europe to stop the Ninth Circle. Now, don't forget, this isn't just in Europe. It's all across the world. Uh, This child trafficking is a global industry. It's not about a bunch of freaks who worship Satan only. It's about a whole multi-billion dollar global industry in human trafficking that we are beginning to expose. There'll be a more detailed dossier on that shared next week on the air, so please tune in here next week. I know that today we had kind of a practical orientation. We'll be back into the nuts and bolts of the knowledge we have about this child trafficking next Sunday, so please tune in here uh, April 23rd, Sunday, a week from today, same time, 6 p.m. Eastern. And uh, that's 11 p.m. Greenwich time for all you new European listeners. Also, um, write to us, republicofcanata at gmail.com, itccs.org, murderbydecree.com are the websites. And until next week, stay strong, stay clear. Thank you, brothers and sisters.